Hey there listeners, welcome to the Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, I'm on the phone with Brian, and this week we'll be wrapping up our Month of Halloween series where every horror movie we've reviewed this month has taken place on the night of Halloween. And to wrap it up, we're going to be reviewing the new Halloween film that just came out uh, a few weeks ago, uh, the 2018 Halloween directed by David Gordon Green, starring um, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, the same guy who played uh, Michael Myers last time, Nick Castle, uh, and then Judy Greer, Andy Matichak, and a few others. Um, and this film, Brian, have you noticed, has been like killing it at the box office? Yeah, there's like all sorts of stats about its box office success. Yeah, is isn't it like being considered like the biggest uh, opening uh, for a film in October? Yeah, so I think there's a bunch of them. I think that's one of them. So here's here's a few of the stats. It's hit uh, the biggest horror movie opening with a female lead, which is surprising to me because so many horror movies have a female lead. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> like the whole Scream franchise, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, biggest movie opening with a female lead over 55. Not just horror, any movie ever. Mm. Yeah. I don't know what else would fit in that category. Yeah, I feel like really not many, unfortunately. Yep. Uh, yeah, I know. Biggest opening for any of the Halloween franchise films. That makes sense. Second biggest opening movie ever. Or wait, second biggest horror movie opening ever and the second biggest October opening ever. Oh. I think that means second second biggest biggest horror movie opening in October ever? Wait. I don't know. I I think it might just be the second biggest opening in October ever. Yeah, it is. It's second biggest opening in October ever, but is it the second biggest horror movie opening ever? I think so. What did they say was behind, like, Paranormal Activity 3 or something? Gosh, I, I feel like that was in the mix. I can't remember now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, October isn't generally a time where you have a lot of huge uh, openings, right? It's more of a quiet month. Hmm. So. I guess probably not for other movies, no. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it is mostly the horror film uh, area. Um, though, it is this, this, this Halloween... Uh, it is up against another horror film, A Star is Born. I don't know if you've seen that one yet. <laughs> I, I've heard, like, a lot of praise about that. You know, I, th- I think uh, th- that's what I heard, and I went to see it. Um, in researching it, though, I-, I think what's going on is people are confusing the new one with, like, the four that came before it, or the three or four that came before it, and the reviews are just getting mixed up, so people are like, oh, I hear it's amazing, but maybe they were talking about the one that came out, like, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And you know, thinking it applies to this one, but I I don't know. I didn't get it, man. Wait, there's a previous sense. movie called The Star Is Born. They're, they're like three movies. Uh, this is like the fourth remake of it or something. Oh, weird. Yeah, and and one of the versions has like a hundred percent around tomatoes, probably like the original or the second or whatever. And I think people are making the confusion here that uh, you know, when they're googling A Star Is Born and it's coming up to like a hundred percent, they're not realizing that's like the old one. <laughs> and so everyone's just on this train where they think that it's good. <laughs> yeah, it was so like, oh man, you see, too. exactly. Like, oh, do you see how great a Star is Born supposed to be? And then you watch it, and you're not that impressed, but you're hearing that, and you're like, oh yeah, I guess it was supposed to be great. <laughs> it's it's a compound compound effect, man. So listeners, 
I don't think we've wished anybody happy Halloween yet and, and mentioned that this is a bonus episode. And as part of your bonus, you get about two solid minutes of A Star is yeah, Born. Star is born. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is pretty appropriate. Yeah. But yeah, ha- happy Halloween, everyone. From 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 us. <laughs> from your friends uh, hey, at Movie you, Club. Did you figure out a Halloween costume? Yeah, we're going to be uh, Jurassic Park. Essentially. Oh, no kidding! What what uh what characters? Our son's a dinosaur, and then I'm gonna be Alan Grant, and my wife's gonna be Ellie Sadler. Oh, from the original Jurassic Park, so, yeah, from the like Lost World series. Nice. Yeah. How about you? Nice. Um, no, I haven't thought of uh, it yet. I think I think I'm gonna have to roll with the uh, the Sam from uh, Trick or Treat costume. Um, I just gotta figure out a way to make that mask somewhat comfortable. Um. I think I saw someone in that at a party last weekend. Looks okay. You're going to have to deal with a bunch of people telling you how awesome that movie is. Oh, God. But, you know, it'll be a good platform to tell them why it's not that awesome and <laughs> all the other movies we saw that are pretty good. And by the way, check out our podcast. Exactly. <laughs> <We> explain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Halloween. So de- definitely, like, I think we talked about in the last uh, episode, but, you know, kind of like the birth of the whole slasher genre, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, debatably, see our conversation in the last episode, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's definitely one of the big ones, kind of the grandfather. Yeah, and a lot of the tropes today kind of tie back to a lot of the stuff that was set in the original Halloween. Indeed, and then a lot of that stuff they kind of referenced in clever ways in this one, which was a wonderful thing about this movie. Yeah, I enjoyed the self self uh, referential uh, moments in it. It was, it was good. And they were, like, well worked into the script, too. It wasn't, like, bending over backwards <laughs> to just do these things. Yeah. Like, it worked. Yeah, yeah. It seemed pretty natural and organic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. And then uh, this film, uh, I saw, like... So it's it, it's been in production since, like... Or some version of this has been in production since, I guess, 2011. Um, so that, that's kind of a long time in the making. And then I guess some studio lost the rights and different writers and producers came on board. Um, kind of a, a long history in the, in the making of this. Yeah, it seems like it was really kicked around quite a bit. And I think the original versions that were in discussion really weren't very similar to what this film ended up being. Right. So it seems like for the better. Yeah, I think that was the impression I got. Mm-hmm. Who is this guy, this producer, uh, Malik Akkad? Because uh, he's also part of the original Halloween, uh, and so he, and, and then he's a part of this one. I, I feel like he's his name is like synonymous with with this film, but I feel like he's not that big of a guy. Yeah, you know I don't. I didn't do my research on that guy. Yeah, there isn't even like a Wikipedia page on him, but I, I feel like he's associated with every Halloween movie to some degree. He's part of the founders. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what the story is with him. Yeah, um, but they got they got John Carpenter back on the music here, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, an updated soundtrack with John Carpenter and his son Cody Carpenter, and his oh. godson uh, Daniel Davies. Wow, they all worked on the music together. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and Daniel Davies is the son of Dave Davies from the Kinks. Uh, the band the Kinks. Yeah. Nice, yeah. that's pretty cool. Uh, I I I thought the music was pretty cool in this one. Actually, they, it had like that famous theme, but it, f- it felt like a little bit like redone almost. Uh, it was a little 
I don't know, what better produced or something. Wait, do you know if it was the original or? Yeah, they definitely upped the, I mean, they buried a lot of that main original theme in it and then like Mm -hmm. up the production values on it, maybe added some percussion to it and like other accompaniment. And then they also like created new melodies and entirely new music as well. Yeah. It, It was a really good soundtrack. Yeah, I, I think like halfway through, like the, this one sound comes in that uh, it's it's almost like a like a really distinct uh, sound that kind of adds to the scare. Do you remember what I'm talking about? It's kind of like a like a bending note. Yeah, it almost sort. sounds like they just strum a, an electric guitar really hard and then like go crazy with the whammy bar. Yeah, like a, I thought that was really effective. Yeah, like yeah, it's like a bent chord almost. It it's kind of yeah. sounds like a truck driving by in the distance or something like that. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. Pretty pretty cool tone. Yeah, it was effective. Yep. Uh, did you notice uh, one of the writers for this is Danny McBride? Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, what's he doing writing a Halloween film? I think he's a really big fan. I mean, who isn't though? I mean, are just gonna <laughs> let any fan write? <laughs> I don't know. Now? I guess he's. There's just a lot of people in Hollywood that you pigeonhole into one type of thing and don't realize that they're multi-talented. Yeah, that's true. And, and he, even the the director here, I think he he's done like some work with Danny McBride and comes from more of a comedic background than um, a horror film genre area. Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I think he was involved with, like Pineapple Express, um, maybe a few other Danny McBride films. But yeah, uh, cool, cool to see Jamie Lee Curtis back and uh, Nick Castle. And but but again, like Nick Castle doesn't play every. Michael Myers you see in this right yeah I kind of read that he kind of calls it more of a cameo there's really only one scene where he's Michael Myers it sounds like oh no kidding and the but I'm confused about who plays Michael Myers in the mental hospital mm-hmm. um, mental health facility right in the beginning of the movie because I would have assumed that would be him but uh, but I'm not sure yeah, because that was the most FaceTime Michael that, that this film had. Yeah, you didn't really ever see his face, but yeah, you saw the side of his face, and it, it, he was very much just a person standing there. Yep. Yeah, kind of like an old old man. I think I think I could make out some facial hair. Couldn't tell. <laughs> um, um, yeah, James Jude Courtney is the dude that plays him the most, the majority of the movie. I see. And I think he's our new. He's our new Michael Myers, it sounds like. Yeah. I think there's going to be a sequel, at least one. Right. What what is the logic for having so many Michael Myers, like, within one film? Why not just have one guy? I don't know. I don't know if it was just a way to honor Nick Castle and generate some buzz for the movie or or what. Yeah. I mean, he's, like, 70 years old, too, so (laughs) he may not have been up for some of the physical challenges. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, spe- speaking of uh, seeing Michael Myers, like I, I know in the first one we catch a glimpse of his face. I'm, I'm not sure if in part one when they show his face, I don't think that is Nick Castle, is it? No, that's actually another dude named Tony Moran. Okay. He, yeah, it's this weird thing. He, Even in the first one, they had a bunch of different people playing Michael. Yeah, yeah, right. What was the excuse back then? Yeah, I don't know. Um, was Tony Moran? I don't. I don't think he was in this one, right? No, I don't think so. Okay. So, yeah, interesting. So Nick Castle plays Michael, but he's never the, the face, probably maybe never the face that we see, uh, unless he is the face in, in, in the early scenes in this one. Um, 
any other any other like big names or you know it's a pretty it's a much bigger cast than the first one right yeah it's a way bigger cast and part of that is that the body count is 19 whereas like in the first one it's five yeah i think they just needed people to die yeah (laughs) who else can we bring in here to kill (laughs) yeah uh and i think um so jamie lee curtis returned for this nick castle both from the original and then um pj souls is an actress who played linda in the original Mm-hmm. And she was a teacher in this one, Allison's teacher. Oh, no kidding! Which who was who was Linda in the first one? Was was that the? Uh, she was the, the one in bed with the, uh, with Bob. With with Bob, the uh, she's the one where he comes in wearing the ghost uh, a yeah. costume. Yep. Oh, the blonde. Okay. Oh, cool. So she's she also makes an appearance. That, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh yeah, and and then uh Judy Greer or Greer I thought was an interesting addition. I, I hadn't seen her in a serious role before. I have uh, a hard time not pick. She's one of those people who will just be forever be a certain role to me, and she will forever be Kitty from uh yeah Arrested Development. <laughs> I know, I know that's such a perfect role for. Her. It really was, and so I have a hard time seeing her as anybody else. But yeah, she she did a decent job, I suppose. She did, yeah. But the whole time I was imagining that was her backstory. Like, yeah, maybe <laughs> she she had this growing up experience with Jamie Lee Curtis, where he you knows it was rough, and she's being trained. And then, she, as as a result of that, she joins uh, the Bluth Company and becomes like this crazy party. Or and then and then she gets married and has a kid and settles down and deals with resentment issues with her parents, where with her mother. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and we we should mention. I'm sure we will, but. Judy Greer plays Karen Strode. Presumably her last name is Strode. That's Jamie Lee Curtis's character's daughter. And then yep. there's Allison as Karen's daughter. So there's three generations of Strode women in this. Yeah, this movie's really a, a family affair. For yeah, sure. for sure. Um, it, yeah, one thing... Uh, so th- this movie uh, is supposed to pick up after uh, the original Halloween and so it kind of ignores all the ones in between, correct? Yeah. Which is good, because I haven't seen any of the ones in between. But <laughs> uh, I, I know, like, uh, you know, in, in some of the Halloweens in between, like, it's implied that Jamie Lee Curtis's character is Michael Myers' uh, sister. Which, uh, one, like, what's the what was the rationale for that? And, and two, like, I, I think they kind of mentioned that in this one, but I, it's not the case, right? Yeah, I can't believe, or I can't remember what what movies suggested that. Maybe, maybe it was Halloween too. Um, yeah. But yeah, so they just ignore all the other, all the other Halloween movies except the first one. They pay homage to the other ones for sure, but they don't plot wise. They don't take any of those ideas or concepts. And yeah. then one of her friends, the granddaughter's friends, is like, "No, here's some rumor that like." He Michael Myers is your grandma's brother or something, and she's like, "Yeah, oh, somebody just made that up." Oh, <laughs> so they kind of just they address that there in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> they ruled it out. Yeah, I'd I'd be curious to to watch uh, the the original Halloween two or something and just kind of understand like how they backed into like her being the uh, the sister. Yeah, I think Halloween two is largely regarded as the best of all the sequels. I'm sure there's no many differing opinions, but Halloween 2 is pretty good. Interesting. You, you've seen it? 
I have. It's been a long time, but I've seen it. Yeah. And that takes place, like, immediately right after Halloween 1, like, at that that same night, right? Yep, correct. Yeah. I, I, I gotta see that one. Um, but, I, you know, I, in, in some lists I was reading, this one has actually been now ranked uh, as the second best Halloween between the original and the Halloween 2. Yeah, I think most people will feel that way. Yeah, which just makes me wonder how bad all the other Halloween movies are. <laughs> well, a like lot of people best. really love 3, but it doesn't have Michael Myers in it. Yeah, which which is the one with Buster Rhymes? Oh boy, Buster Rhymes was in one. Was that that was probably H two O? Maybe. Yeah, I, I heard someone talking. H two O was ninety eight, and Resurrection was two thousand two. That sounds like about the time Buster Rhymes would have been in Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like that, the right time period. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, any other fun facts about this one? Um, I think maybe some other fun facts might be peppered throughout the plot as like we talk about how they are uh, like honoring the first one and kind of riffing on some of the scenes from the first one. Yeah, I'm excited to learn more about that too. Yeah. I, I think you probably caught more of that than I did. Uh, I probably did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, and, uh, oh, one other interesting thing was that apparently Jake Gyllenhaal is like a unofficial godson of Jamie Lee Curtis's, and he's the supposedly the one who convinced her to reprise her role of Laurie for this movie. Oh, no kidding. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, I think I, she I read the it. script, too, and was down with it. Yeah. I Yeah, I heard a... I was reading an interview with with Danny McBride, and they are like, yeah, if, if she hadn't agreed to do it, then they, they were kind of out of luck and wouldn't know what, uh, what they were... didn't know what they were going to do. Yeah, it would be pretty awful if you cast a different actress yeah yeah you reboot the series with a different actress for sure um though has it been a while since she's been on screen it seems like it I, I can't say i'm very familiar with her career yeah yeah no me neither but I, yeah i do feel like it's been a while i want to say like the last movie i saw her in was true lies but that was like late 90s yeah or like freaky That's, friday oh yeah yeah freaky friday right yeah was that with uh lindsey lohan I want to say yes, but I think that we might be confusing it with, um, oh shoot, there's one where she's like twins or something. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, I forget what that one was called. Uh, <laughs> I want to say but yeah, that... with like Steve Gutenberg, or am I thinking of the Olsen twins? No, no, I mean, that was a that was a breakout movie for uh, Lindsay Lohan. I forget what that one was called, but yeah, huh. she's got that twin, and they meet at camp and they switch roles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Just just so the <laughs> listeners know, we typically aren't on our computers when we do this. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Yeah. So it's good to have Jamie Lee Curtis back. Any new uh, Ohio connections with this one? Oh, this is my worst one yet. Uh, yes. So uh, we talked about Daniel Davies, the son of Dave Davies from the Kinks, uh, participated in the soundtrack here. Mm-hmm. And one of the few songs that Dave Davies wrote for the Kinks was called Rock and Roll Cities. And in that song, they mentioned Cleveland, Ohio. Nice. Wow. <laughs> and it's, it's a bad That's... song to you. Oh, really? <laughs> I like the Kinks, but man, Rock and Roll Cities, not a good song. The, the name of the song is Rock and Roll City? Rock and roll cities, plural. Oh, man. So one of the cities they mentioned is Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. They mentioned a bunch of cities. It's just like a bad, 
song about yeah. like being on the road. Yeah, I don't have any. You got a talent. I mean, I, I don't know how you get from like the movie Halloween down to like one of the guys who made the music and then the song that his dad wrote. Uh, that, that's that's pretty crazy. More of a sickness than a talent. Yeah, yeah. Hope it doesn't take too much time. No, well, sometimes it does, man. It's it, yeah. Sometimes I'm like embarrassed by how long it takes me, <laughs> and I wonder why I keep doing this. What, what do you think the longest amount of time you spent uh, during the connection in Northeast Ohio has been? Probably a half hour. Wow, that's that's crazy. I mean, you're 100 percent for uh, you know, for your, your uh, yeah, for for how many how many episodes have we had so far? I don't know, like 23 ish. Yeah. Wow. 23 for 23. That's good. Nice work. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, should we, should we take a break and then uh, talk about the plot? Yeah, unless you need to talk about A Star is Born anymore and we can keep going. Uh, oh, man. I'll see. Uh, I, I figure we'll do an episode on that. Since <laughs> that should count as a horror film. Sure. <laughs> I'll see for that. All right. Cool, man. Uh, let's talk about the plot. Um, I'm going to take a quick break, though. I got to get a, a tattoo really quick. Um, okay, it's something I'm, I, I don't want to forget. So I'll, I'll be right back. <laughs> All right. Good luck. All right. Thanks. All right, Brian, I'm back. Did you get that tattoo? I did, yeah. You know, I have to go with some groceries uh, tomorrow, and uh, I figured the easiest way to remember these things is just to have a tattoo on my arm of what what I have to get. That was a um, bad tattoo. Yeah, I didn't understand it. All he the, the, the boyfriend goes out, and he gets a tattoo of the date of Halloween? Yeah, I think it was like, were they going to have sex for the first time that night or something? And that was the date i can't remember oh the date was like special to him in some way yeah i mean i thought it was like the date of that night it's like i thought it said like 10 31 18 yeah it was it was the date of that night yeah and that'd be funny if like he's like well now we have to hook up tonight because i've tattooed this date on my arm so you can't say no now right <laughs> what if what if that works yeah <laughs> yeah maybe you can portray persuade the people at the grocery store to give you some free groceries yeah. that way <laughs> yeah they're like we're out of avocados and i'm like well i got it tattooed on my arm you got it <laughs> with the date right here yeah the date and the price <laughs> you gotta match that <laughs> yeah man there is some <laughs> stuff in this movie that was pretty stupid yeah i, I, I mean, like the movie but there are a few things where it's like what yeah, I, I thought there was a lot in here that was pretty stupid. Yeah, we'll 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 compare notes on on this. Yep. Uh, okay, so it it kicks off with uh, fittingly two podcasters <laughs> visiting um, Michael Myers in prison, um, and he's like, you only see him from the back, and he's like chained up, and they're being introduced to him through this uh, psychologist who's been like tracking Michael Myers for years, and this guy's like kind of like the modern day Doctor Loomis, who was the guy from the original Halloween, right? Yeah, and I like that even uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character goes like, oh, so you're the new Loomis, which is, yeah. I feel kind of meta. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Totally acknowledging that, yeah, they basically replaced the old psychologist with this new guy, and he's been basically obsessed with Michael Myers and following him for years, documenting his story, and now he's introducing these two podcasters uh, who want to like kind of go behind the scenes. I imagine they're trying to do something similar to like that podcast, Serial. Do you remember that one? Yeah. 
Yes. And I, I feel like there's a thousand serial type podcasts now, so. People I, trying to go behind murders. Yeah, so I appreciate them, like, spoofing that part of our, our culture right now. Yeah, yeah, but I appreciate that, that, that too. that was all I appreciated about these two. Yeah, yeah, otherwise, <laughs> there weren't much else. Uh, but that opening scene is basically, like, them uh, speaking to, to Michael. They're, they're, like, outside, and Michael's, like, chained to uh, this little box, and there are all these other, they're like in an insane asylum, and there are all these other uh, pr- patients, I guess, uh, chained up around, and they're trying to get uh, Michael to like turn around and say something to them, and they're holding like the mask up, which is pretty worn and weathered uh, at this point. I think they made it look like it's been, you know, 40 years, the mask has seen some wear and tear. Uh, and so, uh, but, but Michael doesn't turn around, and instead you hear like, you know, all the other patients kind of screaming and going nuts. You kind of think something's gonna happen, but uh, nothing happens, and it cuts to the Halloween theme song. Did you? What did you think of this opening? I hated it. <laughs> yeah, it's very anticlimactic. It was anticlimactic, and it just like, it just wasn't fitting with like the rest of the movie or like the vibe mm-hmm. of these movies. Like, they're yeah. just like shouting at him, like Michael. And he like takes out the mask, and he's like, "You can feel it, can't you?" And then <laughs> they keep cutting to these other patients who were like losing it and like we're supposed to be kind of scared of the other patients too which was mm-hmm. stupid to me um, yeah and yeah i i did not understand why this scene was in the movie i didn't either i, I couldn't tell where they were going with it like was i for a second i thought like maybe michael like has some kind of power where he's like able to make all these other uh patients like suddenly like feel like he's about to like he's he's having an impact or he's like projecting onto these guys or like he was like gonna break out of the chains and do something so I, I kind of thought for a second like something was gonna happen but as soon as it cuts it's like that was like the dumbest most like uh built up like nonsense scene uh and it clearly a way just to kind of get the movie going yeah but pretty yeah. worthless I uh, wish they had gone another way with that opening but yeah I agree it's yeah. like a little more subtle or haunting yeah so then is it then that we see the credits yeah then it jumps to the credits and what what do you think of the credits? Because there's like a deflated pumpkin that's like inflating. What, what was up with that? Yeah. So the the credits in the original movie, as we I think mentioned in the original, just is zooming in on a jack o' lantern, and mm-hmm. it's creepy. It's a creepy way to start the movie with just this black screen and the jack o' lantern. And in this one, they do the same thing, but it starts out as just like a squashed mess of pumpkin jack o' lantern, and then it's like grows and restores itself yeah which looked like super computery and Mm -hmm. i didn't i didn't like that yeah that felt pretty unnecessary yeah i mean it was supposed (laughs) to symbolize like michael michael's rebirth i guess but yeah uh, yeah (laughs) i i I loved that they used the same font as the original and like set it up very much like the credits in the original but i i thought that jack lantern looked stupid yeah yeah it was definitely unnecessary but yeah they had the theme song kind of kicks in there and it, other other than the jack lantern, it's kind of a nice throwback. But then, yeah, that was, that was unnecessary. Yeah, yeah, cool. So I, I think from there, then it goes to these two uh, podcasters. You know, they weren't able to get anything, get Michael to respond. They just got all the other patients to kind of go crazy and create a unnecessary moment. Now they are like, well, let's go over to to find Lori, who's uh, Jamie uh, Lee Curtis's character, uh, who you know it's been forty years since she's like survived that attack. And she kind of, like, lives in this fortified house in the woods that's, like, amped up in terms of, like, security. They're, like, cameras, there's, like, gates, doors are barred. And she's, like, hesitant to do, to let them in and do an interview. 
but they they get in with the premise of like you know we're gonna give you uh, you know two thousand dollars. So they let her in, and as Brian mentioned, they're kind of like these typical podcasters that like you know we're trying to get their true story and you know the humanity behind the killings, and we like to go behind the scenes. And she's just like you know there's no like story behind the scenes like you know I'm just a survivor and this is like a crazy thing that happened. Um, but I think what they do try to set up in this uh, interaction is like what's happened over those 40 years and we learn that she's had a daughter named Karen who like uh, she lost custody of because of all the post-traumatic stress of, of like what happened and that like you know they're kind of estranged now um, and, I, and then I, I think that's basically all that's accomplished in that scene Any, yeah and they else? mentioned that she's got like two failed marriages and oh right yeah yeah and I, I kind of like the line she um, Lori said to them like you're trying to humanize Michael and make it seem like I'm the crazy one. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, he killed five people. I had two uh, divorces and yeah. trying to humanize him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like that line. Right. Yeah. Did you feel like, uh, it, I mean, in this, at this part, and then later on in the film, too, there's some kind of, uh, I, I feel like there's a tone here where there's like, you know, what's Jamie Lee Curtis's, like, what's Laurie Schroeder's role in, like, Michael and, like, this whole relationship between them, like, who's the victim, who's the, uh, the, the monster kind of thing. I, I feel like they were trying to hint at, uh, certain, you know, different, uh, challenging the roles that we're used to here, but I don't know if you, if you felt that at all. Yeah. I mean, definitely once the movie picks up and we head towards the, uh, the ending, it's definitely like kind of flipped like cat mm-hmm. and mouse, but like Lori's the cat and he's the mouse kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The movie kind of plays up that angle for sure. Yeah. Uh, so then from here it kind of jumps to uh, Lori's daughter and her family so her daughter is played by Judy Greer her name is Karen she has a husband Ray and they have a daughter Allison uh, it's a pretty typical um, family dynamic there um, and, and you can sense that like um, you know through the conversation that they the mother uh, Karen has a bad relationship with her mother Lori um, because of, you know, like a traumatic experience growing up with her and always having to be, you know, on the, this sense of paranoia that like Michael's coming and, uh, just kind of, you know, having to like practice like shooting all the time or hiding and stuff like that. So she doesn't really talk to her mother anymore, but Allison, her daughter, which is the granddaughter to Lori, uh, is trying to, you know, kind of empathizes more with her grandmother and is trying to build that relationship more so than, than her mother and her grandparents. Right. Yeah. Yep. And I think yeah. the like the way Lori raised her daughter was very like survivalist like yeah running drills like she was training her like she was in the military yeah and it's pretty much like I, I feel like uh Lori's character is exactly what like um what's her name Linda Hamilton from Terminator was yeah. like between Terminator 1 and Terminator 2 like she's she's like by Terminator 2 she's like this hardened like kind of military uh, militaristic kind of uh, you know really hard you know on, on the lookout like gun savvy uh, attacker kind of person and, and that's kind of what what's happened to Laurie's character I think yeah good analogy yeah uh, and, and that's yeah push the family away so that, that's so we kind of have the family dynamic there so then it goes back to what's going on with Michael so uh, similar to in the first one uh, Michael's being transported to another institute and um, this time the, he's, he's being loaded onto a bus with some other inmates and his uh, doctor, Dr. Sartain, the psychologist, gets on the bus with him. Um, you know, big surprise, the bus crashes. Uh, these two, this this father and son kind of run into the crash 
and uh, they notice, you know, a bunch of inmates just walking around. The dad gets out of the car to go investigate, which was one of those kind of dumb moments where, like, hey, I'm going to leave my son in the car and go investigate all these, like, random people walking around. Yeah, um, in, in, like, a, in hospital gowns, essentially. Or, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You could you could tell the, these weren't. Um, and this was a throwback to that scene in uh, the original Halloween. Right. Yeah, where they show up at the mental institute and everyone's kind of like walking around. Yeah. Yeah. So this this is like on an abandoned road. They're kind of out in the middle of nowhere, and there's like this bus that's crashed. Uh, a bunch of mental patients walking around. The father gets out, and the kid's like kind of yelling for him. and doesn't see him. So the kid gets out, takes a gun with him. Uh, and he walks onto the bus and the doctor, Dr. Sartain is like there on the ground and he shoots him by accident. But, uh, then he runs back to the car and, uh, this is the first scene uh, kind of where we see of like Michael's like in the back and, uh, you, you kind of catch, catch a glimpse of him and then he strangles this kid. So the first death by Michael in this movie is what, like a 10 year old kid? Yeah. Yeah, and then later in the movie, there's a scene where he's in a house and you hear a baby crying, and he like walks over to the crib and <laughs> just keeps walking. And you're like, oh, I know, I know. I think everyone like held their breath. In that yeah, scene, like, I feel like I audibly heard someone in the theater go, no. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, right off the bat, they're kind of going after the unexpected uh, kills. Yeah. Uh, so a cop shows up to the scene and um, he finds the the doctor who's been shot but is still alive. And the doctor gets taken to the hospital. Uh, the cop kind of like reconvenes with with the team at the hospital, and they're like, "Yeah, all all these kind of um, mental patients have escaped." Uh, but but you know, hey, check out this one name on here, Michael Myers. He's the guy who killed people like forty years ago. We haven't been able to find him yet, and kind of starts like raising some red flags about it. Um, meanwhile, Lori's learned about the crash, and she's like kind of going in full uh, shelter mode. She's like prepped her place. Uh, with like you know guns she's like stocked she has like this underground uh, safety vault kind of built and uh, she goes to get her family uh, but her family like doesn't really believe her they're like uh, you know we're, you know we're not leaving our house you're crazy get out of here so and then I think from there we go and the, and the killings start happening so so the first killing takes place well I, actually sorry I, I think I jumped over the part where we see Allison kind of going to class talking to her classmates and this is where she references like some of the older Halloween films yeah um, so yeah, you have that interaction with her and her friends where they're like, Is, wasn't that like her brother? And they're like, no. And then, and then I thought one of her friends brings up a really good point. They're like, well, it was only like five people. So like, what's the big deal compared to like everything else that happens these days? <laughs> I, th I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, that was kind of funny actually. Yeah. Cause when you think about the original Halloween, only like five people get killed. That's such a low count for a horror film. Yeah. Yeah. Can't think of one where there's been a lower count. I mean, um, I, I don't know. It, it depends on how you want to do the horror film. Yeah. Like five really suspenseful murders versus 19 where he's just slicing and dicing. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely appreciate the fewer but, like, better quality. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's, so yeah, it's just funny they reference that. Uh, there's another scene where we see the granddaughter, Allison. She's in a classroom. Um, and I guess, as you mentioned, the teacher's from the first Halloween uh, but the lecture being delivered is like very similar. It's all about fate again. Yeah. Which is in Halloween one. And then she looks out the window and she sees uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Laurie's character, like watching her from out there. Where in the first one, Laurie looked out the window and saw Michael Myers, I think, right? Yep, for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, one of so many cool. times Laurie is like in the role that Michael Myers was. Oh, interesting. Uh, not, you, you saw that? Not necessarily in the role, but like the shot was on Michael and now it's on her in this one. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, I, I didn't realize I was a theme going through, so that's pretty cool. Um, so then, yeah, it's, it's Halloween night. Um, the, so, so we know Michael has uh, escaped and uh, the, his next victims are the podcasters who he runs into at a gas station where he kills the, the people working there. He corners the girl podcaster in the uh, in the female uh, restroom, uh, and um, and that that's kind of a, a cool scene where he he walks in, you just see his feet under the stalls, and then he like drops like some teeth over the the stall like into the one she's in. Yeah, and before that, you had seen the like clerk at the gas station had his jaw like ripped apart. Ah, uh, right. So, yeah, that's where he got the teeth from. That makes sense. Yeah. I, th- I thought he was just walking around with a pocket full of teeth. <laughs> like, he's like the teeth fairy. Uh, so, yeah, so he's attacking uh, the girl podcaster in the uh, bathroom. The the guy podcaster breaks in, and he basically, like, slams him into the, like, slams his head a bunch of times into the wall and into the door and, uh, is like, kills him and then uh, eventually, like, breaks the neck of the the other podcaster. So he's, he's, he's killed them both. Um, what would you think of that attack scene? Uh, that one that wasn't bad. Uh, it was okay. What do you think of it? I mean, I thought it was kind of it was brutal. It kind of set the stage for like the killings that come afterwards. Yeah, it was definitely uh, brutal. Yeah, kind of kind of graphic. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, but now like you know the, now the cops are there and like they realize like yeah shit these killings are happening. Um, and uh, but still the, similar to the first Halloween like you never see like a huge police presence. Uh, until like after these kills yeah yeah and that's kind of like a suspend your disbelief thing in each of these movies like why isn't every cop in this tiny town out on the streets exactly it's like Halloween night you have a killer on the loose you're not like putting a curfew on or anything and you just have like one cop like running around like uh, investigating calls That's, that's pretty ridiculous yeah and there's like 19 people dead scattered about town like (laughs) <laughs> get your shit together yeah. exactly exactly it's adding up uh yeah so, so then it's Halloween night and, and Michael's basically going around uh there's a scene where he walks into a shed picks up a hammer then walks into a house and like bludgeons a woman to death then grabs a knife and then he goes into another house and like stabs a woman I, I couldn't tell how he was picking his victims or if there was any rationale to, to what was going on there yeah I'm not sure that there really was he was just kind of roaming the neighborhood killing people yeah yep uh so yeah he's, he's having a good time uh and then um i think where like things start to get interesting is uh he comes to the house of one of allison's friends uh she's babysitting this kid and i, and I love the dynamic between uh allison's friend and uh the kid was it was her name vicky or no, uh, no, i can't remember vicky. that her character's name yeah, yeah i think yeah, I vicky remember. Okay, yeah. So, uh, so, so they're they uh, they're hanging out. Um, her, her and uh, her and this kid that she's babysitting. They, they've got some very like funny back and forth. But yeah, she's talking sure. about we're we're gonna smoke some weed, or like she calls like a code word, and the kid's like, "Oh, I know what you guys are talking about weed." It's just funny interaction there. A lot of people were kind of saying on Twitter that he he stole the show. Yeah, he really did. He was hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then so yeah he. He goes up and goes to bed. Uh, Vicky's boyfriend comes over, and this is the guy that's like got the tattoo on 
with that the the date on there so she's like you know we're gonna we're gonna hook up tonight because you know they have to because he's, he's got the tattoo um but uh you know they're making out on the couch the, the kid upstairs like starts screaming and, and freaking out because he saw like a guy standing upstairs in the room she goes up and looks around and does kind of like a fake out where she's like oh there's you know oh there's someone here but there actually wasn't she couldn't find anyone um but then she's like tucking him into bed and he's like did you check the closet and she's like closing the door, but it's not closing. And she opened and said, and, and Michael Myers is there. And I, I thought that was kind of a cool uh, opening attack scene. Yeah, I like this sequence a lot. Um, I actually really liked her fake out where she's like, okay, I'm going to go in and check. And you can't yeah. see her. And the kids look in to see, like, you know, what's, what's she going to find? And you hear her go, like, Sir, what are you doing in here? Get out of yeah. here. <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah. Shit. Does she like, I kind of knew she was faking him out, but I was like, She's pretty convincing. I know, like her acting is like really good. Yeah, <laughs> that's like pretty, and she's like pretty specific, like sir and all this stuff. You know, it's a, uh, it's a uh, yeah. I, I I for a second there, I thought she was actually telling the truth. That was good. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I guess Michael was there. He was in the closet. I mean, she should have checked the closet. I don't, I don't know why she didn't. Yeah, clearly she before. wasn't taking it seriously. She just like went into the bedroom and did her little act and told him that she yeah. checked everywhere. Exactly. <laughs> Terrible babysitter. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, she she gets slashed. Uh, the kid is hilarious. He's just like, oh shit, and he like runs out of there, and she's like screaming for help. Yeah, he and literally he's, like, just says, oh shit. Yeah, <laughs> and that that's he was like the only real character I could identify. Like that's exactly what I would have done in that role. Yeah, he was <laughs> the only like, logical one. Yeah, she tries to run, but she slips, and and he, uh, Michael gets her, and then the boyfriend like he's he's he like runs upstairs. You don't really see what what happens there. But by this time, like, the one deputy, uh, Deputy Hawkins, uh, gets some kind of alert that something's going on at this house, so he shows up. And also, Lori, who's been, like, patrolling the streets on alert with, like, a, a CB radio, uh, picks up on the fact that something's going on here. So those two are the ones who show up at the house. They find, uh, the deputy goes upstairs and finds, um, uh, well, at first he sees the boyfriend downstairs, I think. Uh, nailed to a wall, similar to how the guy in the first episode, or in the first Halloween died, right? Yeah, everything about this couple is very reminiscent of Linda and Bob from the first Halloween. Oh, yeah, good point, because she's like in a ghost uh, in a ghost costume, right? Yeah, he covers her, he, the sheriff goes upstairs and finds her under a sheet that's like made up to look like a ghost, and yeah. the first Halloween had Michael coming upstairs in the ghost sheet, just presumably right. he was Bob in a ghost costume. Right. Yeah. And then, so yeah, like he a, stabs Bob and basically him like sticks him to the wall, and that's what he did with is, this guy too. Yeah, which I, I always thought was like a funny form of physics in the first one, where you can like pin a guy to a wall with a knife in the in the stomach. Um, but I, I guess it, it still works today. I think theoretically it could work. One knife in the stomach is gonna hold you on the wall. Um. I mean, I guess you got your rib cage. To, I mean, if the wall. Yeah, it would yeah, have Michael's to be like embedded in a stud. <laughs> in a stud, <laughs> he's got he's got a stud finder. That he's he got a stud finder first. <laughs> yeah, well, he's he's dressed like a, a garage mechanic. I mean, he I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if he's got a stud finder in there somewhere. And we've seen but he that. does a lot of elaborate setting up of bodies behind the scenes. So don't yeah. underestimate the homework he does. That's true. That's true. He's he's a very crafty guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's good so yeah yeah this this whole scene's a good throwback one one thing i saw on this one which i, I don't know why they did this 
when uh, the girl is found upstairs in the ghost mask, uh, there's a pumpkin in the aquarium. Did you see that? Yeah, and that was a reference to, I think there's a like carved pumpkin next to the bed when Lori goes up and finds their bodies in the first one. Oh, oh, I see. And this time it's in the aquarium? Yeah. Okay, interesting. Uh, yeah, okay, so, so those two are dead, the, co- uh, I, I think, uh, yeah, when, uh, when the deputy gets here and, and Lori gets here, they, they see Michael, well, uh, Lori does, and she, like, shoots him in the shoulder, but he gets away, um, and then at this point, uh, the doctor has kind of come to and is now, like, on the crime scene, and, uh, he's just like, you know, I want to tag along, I want to see Michael, and, uh, one of the cops is like, yeah, keep him with you guys, because he can be an asset, he knows Michael, he's been studying him. So they're like, whatever. So uh, at this point, uh, Lori and her daughter, Karen, and uh, the husband are, you know, taken by the cops because they're under, they're in danger. Um, they can't get a hold of their granddaughter, Allison, who went to a Halloween party um, because her boyfriend did, you know, was, was a jackass and basically threw her phone in a bowl of punch, which is, is a waste of a pretty good bowl of punch. I don't know why he would do that. <laughs> Nobody uh, wins in that scenario, especially considering yeah. how many germs are on a phone. <laughs> I know, I know. Who's gonna touch that now? <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, so, so they, so uh, Lori and and uh, you know the mother, uh, sorry, Lori, who's the grandmother, and then the the mother, Karen, and and the husband get taken by the cops back to Lori's place, and they're out looking for Allison. Um, Allison is walking back from this party where she got in a fight with her boyfriend with with another friend uh, of her boyfriend. And he's kind of like hitting on her, and he's like, "Let's take the shortcut." They jump into like they jump a fence into a yard that's kind of secluded, and he tries to make out with her, and she's not into it, and kind of leaves him. And uh, I think he kind of trips and falls, and then uh, you see Michael like kind of watching him uh, in, from the trees, and the, the the kid sees him and like tries to interact with him. And then it's kind of cool here because they're in a yard that has motion sensor lights, and every time it goes off and comes back on, like Michael's like getting closer to him. And this kid's, like, getting freaked out. And finally, like, Michael just, like, goes at him uh, and, like, stabs him and, like, pins him to uh, the fence. What, what did you think of this attack scene? I really liked that one. That one had some nice uh, nice suspense and kind of a little bit of humor, too, because this kid was just such a doofus. Yeah, yeah, the kid was a total clown. I feel um, like this was a moment through. where the... I can't remember 100%, but I feel like the music here was really good, too. Oh, sure. Yeah, suspenseful music kicking in. Um, so Allison, like, hears him screaming and, like, runs back, and she sees him, like, kind of pinned to this fence and sees Michael, uh, right behind him. And so she freaks out and starts running into the neighborhood, knocking on doors. And I think this was also a throwback to the first one, right, where she's, like, knocking on a door and no one's answering. Yeah. But, yeah, but luckily the second house, it's, I, I think they do answer, and, like, they take her in and they call the cops. So she, she does get taken in. Um, anything, anything I've left out so far? Uh, I don't think so, no. Okay, so Allison uh, gets picked up by the chief, uh, the deputy, and who's with the doctor, and the three of them now are driving uh, back to Lori's place where uh, Allison's mom and dad and grandma are there. Um, but on the way, they see Michael on the road, and they they go to they go to kill uh, they go to like apprehend him, and basically the the cop uh, you know runs his car into him and like knocks Michael down, and he gets out of the car and is about to shoot Michael. But the doctor at this point like pulls out a, a knife and kills a deputy because 
Um, the doctor at this point, like he, he mentioned, he was like kind of obsessed with Michael. He's like studied him, and he's been like wanting to like you know know more about him forever. And at this point, this, I think this is kind of a twist where he like strikes back and kind of protects Michael um, versus uh, you know what we thought he was trying to do. What did did you see this coming? Uh, I did not. No, that was kind of a crazy twist. Yeah, I kind of saw this coming like ten seconds before it happened. Because uh, it, it started to dawn on me, like, you know, why is this guy... Because he, he'd made, like, so many interesting comments, even in that drive uh, with the cop where he's, like, saying, um, you know, he, he was kind of bringing up, like, the fact that Michael Myers and uh, Lori have had this relationship and how it impacts each one of them. And I, I, I was trying to figure out, like, what he's alluding to. And I, I think what he was alluding to was, like, the impact it also has on the doctor who's following Michael Myers and wanting to kind of recreate and, like, better understand his, his character. And it also got me thinking that wait is is he michael myers like and, and wasn't it weird that this guy didn't get killed in the initial like bus crash uh it's it just I, I feel like there were some red flags along the way that should have pointed to the fact that this doctor was a suspicious character yeah i but, think he was just in the grand scheme of things i was i think he was so interested in studying michael that he thought michael was more valuable than this sheriff yeah yep um but yeah, beforehand he also says like I wonder what Michael feels when he kills people. Yeah, yeah. So, I, 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 mm-hmm. Yeah, there's I, definitely I, some weird stuff going on in this dude's mind. Yeah, I, I think there are like a few flags beforehand, but yeah, I mean it, it is kind of an interesting twist that he uh, he'd go take it so far where he kills the deputy and he puts Michael in the back seat of the police car with Allison. He's so Michael's like knocked out, but now he's in the back seat with Allison and he's taking them to. Uh, uh, to, to Lori's place now so that that's kind of scary I, I feel like they could have amped this part up more where like Allison's trapped in the back of a police car with Michael Myers I mean he's knocked out and stuff but I, I, I kind of expected this to be a little more of a more tense uh, sequence did, did it, you feel like they dialed it up enough? it was pretty tense just on its face but yeah they, they probably could have uh, could have pushed that harder yeah, because she's, like, trying to, like, reason for this with this uh, psychologist, like, let her go. She's like, oh, I'll tell you, you know, Michael, she's, like, making up that Michael said something to her and that if she, if, if he lets her go, she'll tell him what he said. But uh, he's, like, I, I don't know, I don't know if he's buying it or he, he's, like, what did he say, what did he say? Um, but eventually, like, Michael wakes up in the back seat with her and puts his mask on and, and like, breaks the uh, the fencing in the police car and uh, take pulls the, uh, the psychologist out and uh, it, she uses that time to like kind of jump out of the car and like run into the woods. And even to the end, the psychologist is like, "Michael, say something, say something." And he just like squashes his head with a boot. Oh which yeah, was that was gruesome. pretty graphic. Yeah, yeah, that might have been the most gruesome scene, right? Yeah, probably. It like looked like a watermelon exploding, and then you see it like they come back to it, and it's just like oozing out over the concrete. Yeah, yeah, pretty gross. Um, so then the the daughters run into the woods. These two cops kind of come to investigate what's gone on, and uh, they get killed, obviously, uh, somehow. We don't actually see them getting killed. But then it, the rest of the movie now jumps to Lori's house, which is like kind of where all this is happening outside of. So Lori and, and her daughter and the husband are kind of barricaded in there, and um, uh, the husband kind of sees the cop car pull in, and he walks out to see what's what's going on. And like an idiot which like you're in this safe house that's like has all these like locks on it but he like opens the door and like walks out to see like what these cops want and he opens the cop door and there's like a, a pumpkin there and like and, and i think the two cops like one of the cops like has been beheaded and stuff 
Um, so I, I don't know. That, that, that was interesting to play on the pumpkin a little bit more. Was there a pumpkin, or was it just the cop's head hollowed out and lit up like a jack-o'-lantern? Oh, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, I think you're right. Which I just want to see, like, bonus footage of everything that Michael does off-camera, like these <laughs> yeah, elaborate setups. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> he really takes his time, yeah, like, kind of carves the head out, puts a candle in there, like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. I just want to see the scene of him doing that, and then, like, stepping away and taking a sip of water... Yeah. Analyzing how it looks, coming back and tweaking it. I feel like he deserves like a Martha Stewart like DIY blog or video or something. <laughs> where he like shows how to how to carve out the perfect cop head for Halloween. Exactly. Uh, yeah, very crafty. Um, and then, and then yeah, the husband gets killed because Michael's like right behind him and, and slices him up. Um, the uh, Lori and and Karen like see this in the house, and uh, and and so they they run into the basement. And again, Lori's Lori's like Karen, stay here. I'm gonna go take care of this. And she like locks her in in this in the secure thing that's under like a countertop. Um, yeah, it's she like goes a to the, Yeah, it's like a secret entrance to this bunker that is like hidden under a, a kitchen island. Um, so so then uh, Lori go Lori goes up and she's like uh, lock the door, but Michael like breaks his hands in through the doors and and, and is like kind of choking her, but she manages to shoot two of his fingers off and and uh, escape him and, and run back down uh, Michael breaks into the house and again Lori for some reason decides to leave the safety of the the vault and go up and like confront Michael so she's going room for, room to room kind of like looking for him and finally in one room she like opens a closet that has like a blood trail to it and we see another fine work of art from Michael where he's like buried uh, or he's like kind of put one of the bodies in the closet similar um, to how he did in the first one too yeah, yeah, right. He kind of staged that whole thing. Also, one. before this, you get a, a first-person point of view shot from inside the closet through the slotted door of the closet. Oh, yeah, so you think something is in there, right? Yeah, and that was kind of a flip, too, because in the first one, Lori's looking at Michael through the slotted door in the closet, and then this oh, one, you, yeah. presume, you presume that that's Michael looking through at her. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Roll reversal there. Yeah. Well, this, this time, Lori's the one on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's in this room with like all these like kind of dummies and one of them uh, I guess Michael's had, hiding behind one and he attacks her they have a, a brief confrontation and she gets thrown out a window uh, but when he looks out the window again like she's her body's gone similar to like in the first one with Michael right yep yeah that was definitely a, a spoof of that yeah that's really interesting all, all the role reversals here as we're talking yeah through it. I, I, lo- I love that part of this movie they did a good job with that yeah, I don't think I appreciated it when I was watching it, but now that we're talking about it, it makes sense. Um, by this time, the the granddaughter who'd run off into the woods stumbles upon the house, and despite seeing like a cop car with dead bodies in it and her dad dead on the hallway or on the grass, she runs into the house and is like yelling for her grandparents or her grandmother and, and her mother. So uh, her mother like uh, grabs her and takes her into the the basement, um, and they hear like Michael up there. Uh, in the house and he's like kind of trying to break into the vault and he manages to like break open the the, the secret entrance to it and um, and it, actually the, this was cool because uh, Karen uh, the, the mother is kind of saying like I can't do it I'm not going to be able to shoot him I'm not going to be able to do it and I think she kind of lures Michael into like coming into scene and she's like I got you and she shoots him so he like falls back and then Lori who had fallen out the window and went missing shows up now and again gets into a, a, like kind of a, a fight with uh, Michael more of a hand-to-hand combat thing 
and um, I think at this point, like, the daughter and granddaughter also run up the stairs, and, like, they're all kind of, like, fighting with him, um, and he, like, falls into the vaults this time, and as they're escaping, he kind of grabs one of them, uh, and, and the granddaughter, like, stabs him, and so he's, like, he's, like, in the vault now, and they're on the kitchen floor, and suddenly, like, uh, Lori hits some button, and the vault, like, closes up and becomes, like, a trap, and so at this point, you kind of figure out, uh, they, they mentioned that, like, this whole thing was kind of a trap to lure him into it, and, and, uh, you know, kind of create a trap for him to, to, to be stuck in there, and the house kind of, like, all these, like, uh, faucets, these gas faucets suddenly start going off, or these gas valves, start uh, going off and uh, Lori throws uh, a, like a, f- a flame into there and the whole house kind of lights on fire and they run out of there and I guess the whole thing was a trap to get Michael into this house and burn him down um, is that is that the, the way you interpreted it yeah yeah that was the plan that was Lori's plan yeah get him and in she has house. like the whole house rigged up like she's shutting off rooms as she's going through and investigating them and making sure he's not in there yeah which, I mean, throughout the whole film, you're thinking the house is like a safety vault for them, kind of like a safety room or something. But at this point, it's kind of like you realize that they've been setting it up to be a trap for Michael. Yeah. Um, which is pretty cool, I guess. And then and then it ends with them kind of being uh, rescued by a passerby. They jump onto the back of a pickup truck as the house burns down. But as it's burning down, it flashes to the basement, and lo and behold, we don't see Michael in the basement. So did he get burnt? Probably not. Probably made it out. You know. also hear him breathing at the very end of the credits. Ah, I read that. I, I left. Did you stay for that? I left. I, I was with a buddy, and I wasn't going to make him stay for the whole thing. If it was just me, I probably would have. They hung out? Yeah. <laughs> I thought about it, but I was at the end of an aisle, and I, I didn't like the whole, you know, I've got to let these like few people go out, so I'll just get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I missed it. Uh, but yeah, any, any, any other like throwbacks I missed or references to other Halloweens? I think the uh, well, so Michael Burns in Halloween too as well, and Halloween Resurrection. Oh, oh okay. Um, but one other reference: the first one is on the news at one point. They're referring to the events that happened forty years ago, and they call that like event the Babysitter Murders. Yeah. Which was the title of the script for Halloween one. Oh, cool! That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, there were there were I think there were more references to other Halloween movies too. Oh, I think trick or treaters in the background at one point were wearing masks from season of the witch Halloween three. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some other ones too that I, I think we've probably missed, but those were the big ones. Yeah. 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 yeah that, that's kind of cool. It could be kind of self-referential in that. Yeah. Um, so what, what, what did you like? What, what didn't you like? What did what, you think overall? So, as we mentioned, I really like the soundtrack. I think it's great. Like, listen to it on while I was researching this, too. But I feel like they could have gone a little bit heavier on the old theme. Yeah. Like, that music was just so iconic. And, and yeah, it was in here, but they didn't lean on it quite as heavily. Yeah, um, I can only think of maybe, like, three three times, maybe, where they where they played it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just... It's in the soundtrack, but not, not all over the soundtrack. Right. Which was kind of like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it type of thing. I, I appreciated the revamping of it, but I thought they could have mm-hmm. leaned a little bit heavier on the original. Yeah, melody. yeah, I would have liked to hear that more too, for sure. And then, um, yeah, I think, I, I really didn't like the first part of the movie. Like, it was probably like 30 minutes in before I started enjoying the movie. 
Yeah, because you're stuck with those stupid podcasters. <laughs> was, that was just a, a misstep big time, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, really throwaway characters. That, that's one thing where I thought the original did it right. You had very few characters that you were kind of invested in. And in this one, you had more characters uh, that, that you know, were kind of unnecessary for the most part. And it, just to kind of amp up the body count. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's this critic, Brian Tal- Tallarico. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to read exactly his review because I feel like it's kind of... <laughs> I agree with it. Yeah. Um, to some extent. He says, It's admirable in its thematic relation to Carpenter's vision, but the no-nonsense, tightly-directed aspect of the influential classic just isn't a part of this one. Carpenter's yeah. movie is so tautly refined that the sometimes incompetent slackness of this movie is all the more frustrating. It doesn't have... It, like, lacks atmosphere, and which was another strength of the original. Right. So, yeah, I kind of feel like that. Like... It, it wasn't like that super efficient, super atmospheric... No, yeah. ...creepiness. Like, it was just kind of a bigger, sprawling movie. It was only like an hour and 45 minutes, but... Mm-hmm. They didn't spend as much time tension building, and it was more just Michael... It was almost yeah. Jason-esque, just like him walking around... Killing Renan, yeah. Killing somebody mm-hmm. and moving on. Yeah, yep. Yeah, that that's like... I, I agree. That's like the brilliance of the first one, is like so much of that movie is just the build-up of him stalking and watching from a distance and then like you have the last like half hour 45 minutes where it's it's like the, the killing started happening and and also you're you're limited on on your scenes like you only have like a, a two houses the whole movie takes place within like one neighborhood and this one you're kind of like jumping all over the place um with, with the movie which which i, I thought yeah it kind of takes away from the momentum and being in the atmosphere and in the scare when you're kind of all over the place with different characters and different settings yeah this one had a 10 million budget as opposed to few hundred thousand i think for the original i can't remember Mm. what that number was yeah 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 and the the original i I think was like a low budget film right yeah for sure very low yep on a shoestring budget yeah i i yeah i mean i feel like so much of the original halloween was based on like the genius of how simplistic it was and i I don't feel like uh this you know this kind of copied that formula at all and made it yeah i think you know you're right more into like a jason or, or any other kind of franchise yeah but I mean that being said I do think it was a good sequel and it was great how much it referenced the original and some of the other movies and mm-hmm. I loved that they reversed the situation between Michael and Lori yeah I, th- I think that would call that out as like one of my favorite parts of or aspects of this film is is that uh, that, that play on those characters and putting her more in a, a controlling role and less the victim and because I think that was one of the criticisms originally brought up for some of these slasher films is their portrayal of the women as uh, victims yeah um, I, right and, and this one it kind of like addressed that head on it, it switched the roles and uh, put her in like this attacker position which was pretty cool yeah and I like that like you get all three generations of her family like everybody got like a really good shot in on Michael yeah yeah did it have to be such a family affair like did we need three generations of Lori's I like it it did kind of add to some of the bloat and the, like the fat of the movie like mm-hmm. I think you could have had a more efficient movie if it wasn't all three generations but right I also think you could have just focused more on the three of them and less on like all these other random people in town and yeah damn yeah. podcasters <laughs> those damn podcasters oh man I hated that uh, the woman podcast had a British accent I feel like they they're like oh man we, we gotta give these podcasters some character 
uh, why don't we give one an accent and the other we won't and I don't know it just felt like kind of forced yeah but yeah yeah there were definitely some elements that felt forced yep Uh, what about scare wise like how how do you think uh, this movie did from a scare perspective there were definitely some scares and some good ones but I don't think it had that like suspense and dread that the first one had Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how about you uh, yeah, so I, I feel similar. Definitely had a lot more blood than the first one. Like, the first one barely had any blood, right? And this one, I think, was a little more graphic. Yeah, definitely way more graphic than the first one. Yeah, yep. But, yeah, I, I agree. Not, not a lot of big scares. Uh, they, you know, they could have gone the route of, like, having a lot, a lot more pop-out scares. But even with that, I don't think they did too many of those. No, maybe a handful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, m- mostly just, like, a, a suspenseful slasher film. Some psycho going around just uh, ruthlessly kind of murdering people. It One thing it kind of kept had in common with the original was that some of the jump scares were, I guess every horror movie does this, but a lot of the jump scares weren't from Michael. They were just like false starts from a character tapping somebody on the shoulder or something like that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, running into someone else <laughs> that you didn't expect yeah. to see. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that stayed pretty true and consistent. Um, yeah, and uh, it was so the music uh, was not scary. Um, we liked that that uh, it was self-referential. Any, anything else that that's worth mentioning about? Uh, I mean, did you did you appreciate the fact they didn't murder that baby? <laughs> uh, yeah, I did appreciate that there was no baby murder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I was really worried there that that was gonna happen. <laughs> uh, cool, man. Well, out of uh, zero to five uh, carved out heads that are turned into pumpkins. Uh, what would you give this? Uh, I would give it 3.5 human head jack-o'-lanterns. 3.5, that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty generous. Uh, yeah, I think, I think I would go, uh, two and a half. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it was too, too scary or anything, but, uh, I, I appreciate the effort. And so you think right be... in the middle of the road. Yeah, yeah, pretty much right in the middle of the road. Uh, do you think, but this is obviously setting itself up for sequels, I think. Yeah. Definitely, I think they're contractually obligated. Mm-hmm. To, to do you know how many films are? I don't know. I I read mention of three. It sounds like mm-hmm. there'll for sure be a second one. Okay. Yeah, I mean, until they get that final killing, I I don't know why they always result like if you're spending your whole life uh, trying to kill a guy and <laughs> your idea is like to burn down a house. I mean, there's no proof of death there. Like I I, I don't know. They're just going to keep the series going unless you actually, like, you, you need to do something, man. It is weird that everyone always assumes he's dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> without without a body. Um, so now that the the Halloween season in, in this series is over, out of, like, the four or five films, I guess, well, was it six films? How many films did we watch for this? Uh, Six, yeah, I think six. Wow, six in the month of October. What uh, what's our, what's our What's your rating, man? What's the best Halloween film out there? Or a film that takes place on Halloween. What's, hmm. what, what's your I take? Think, I think my favorite of the ones that we did is Night of the Demons. Mm-hmm. But if I were yeah. going to recommend somebody watch something for Halloween, other than the original Halloween. Oh, mm-hmm. man, I don't know if I can say that. I like Night of the Demons better than the original Halloween. Yeah, I know. That might be kind of a tie, though, because I like them in such different ways. Yeah, such very, very different movies. Um, yeah. But if somebody's looking for something to watch on Halloween, aside from the original Halloween movie, I would recommend 
Tales of Halloween. I thought that was a lot of fun. Oh, the anthology? Yeah. How about yeah. you? Uh, I'm, I'm going to buckle down here and say Terrifier, man. That That is a new movie that scared the shit out of me, and it was really gross. And I, I think that's what Halloween's about. <laughs> pu- pushing limits, you know, <laughs> trying new things. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah. <laughs> see into your soul. Yeah, right. <laughs> nothing, nothing barred there. Uh, great. Well, cool. This this has been a fun uh, series. We're excited to get back into doing some movies that don't take place on Halloween. Yeah, yeah, it's been fun. I'm I'm excited to uh, get a little freedom back in our choices, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. Get back uh, into those. 1930s classics that you got lined up exactly oh i watched (laughs) house of wax without you by the way oh the old one you you don't have to worry about that yeah Uh, thank god what what year is that from 1953 i think ah man thank you yeah (laughs) (laughs) um one thing i want to mention before we go with all this talk of the soundtrack uh i wanted to give you credit for making our music oh hey thanks man you know i uh i just realized that even my wife didn't know that you were the one behind the music. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's it's, it's nothing crazy. Uh, kind of has a little Ghostbusters vibe going on with it, but yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks. That's good stuff. Uh, yeah, cool. Hey, man. Also, any anytime you want to write, uh, get some of your own music in there, let me know. Could we could always, uh, you know, evolve it as the podcast progress. Okay, man. Yeah, I'll be the, I'll be the Daniel Davies to your John Carpenter. All right, awesome, awesome. We we went to the whole father son thing. We're gonna go the other way, godson thing. Yeah, yeah. Who so I've always thought of you as a godfather. <laughs> All right, that sounds good. Cool. All right, anything else? Nope, that's it. All right, well, that's it for uh, this episode in the series uh, on movies that take place on Halloween. We hope you enjoyed our discussion about uh, the new Halloween. And if you want to join our discussion, uh, we encourage you to follow us at Horror Movie Club Podcast on Facebook and on Twitter at we're uh, oh on Twitter at Horror Movie Pod um, or shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. And be sure to check Facebook or Twitter out for our next week's movie in case you want to watch it before we do the next episode. Our logo is done by Amy May Pop Art, so check her out on Etsy.com. And until next time, if you're trying to kill someone after 40 years, uh, go for like a uh, try to decapitate them, get, try to get a head on a stick, try to get a body part you can hold on to, just so you're not leaving room for error and resulting in a number of sequels afterwards. So go for the kill, man. That's all I gotta say. You want me to tell you that he was decapitated in H2O? Really?